1: What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Sumato Coffee. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com.
1: What's happening, people? And what you know, good. We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting you with our rawest opinion, Why give you the straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on children of trauma and much, much more. Press, what's popping, baby? Jules, man, how you doing, bro? Oh, man. I'm hanging in there, man. I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired, man. I get in a little after four this morning. So,
0: so but, you
1: know, ain't nobody smooth like me, man. So I'm still winning. I can hear you, man. You, you need to take a swig of your cherry Dr. Pepsi real
0: quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, man. You know, I can't wait to. <laughs> they had you up on I that night a- shift, boy. Yeah, it was, a, you know, it was a long night. We talked earlier and, uh, you know you know, shout outs to our, our, our Mexican-American brothers and sisters, they, they celebrated their independence uh, yesterday and oh, all yep. last week and last month and everything. <laughs> like, yep, yep. But, hey, man, they know how to throw a party, i tell you that. <laughs> and on top of that, too, one
0: of the things that I really respect about their culture is how they work together, they build together, and they come together. I mean, because yep. you're right, bro. Yes, sir. You looked outside. I mean, I looked outside my window, man, and I was like, man, dude, I was like, boy, they are so close to each other. Like, man, I love that. And that's why when we did that episode two weeks ago, we did our classism episode. It just made me realize even more so how, man, we got to do a better job
1: of coming together, man, as as Black people. Mm, I agree. I mean, what they do in their community, and not only for their community too, hey, they're in our community as well. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, just good people always thoughtful and look out for you and, and talk to you. I wanted to get out there with my little little, little flag too, and just just kick it <laughs> with them. But you know, you know, had to work. Now, nah, now nah, I ain't gonna lie. It was a little rowdy. It was you, you. You seen some fireworks and some car shows, and I mean, big big trucks with on some lifts and people doing wheelies and and dragging and drifting. Man, they put on a, a show yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> when I was coming from the uh, the
0: gym. I come outside in the parking lot, and when I went into the gym, you know, a couple hours before, the parking lot was just normal. I left out of that gym around 7.30. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what the hell happened out here? <laughs> <laughs> it was people afraid to walk in the parking lot. I'm like, no, I got to go to my car. I'm like, y'all could walk with me, but I'm like, we, we got to go. We got to leave, right? I mean, people were afraid to
1: go in that parking lot, Jules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand. Hey, if you wasn't used to that or never seen anything like that, yeah, you can be a little timid, too. But prayers, you coming out the gym, get your swole on, probably with your, with your tank top. No, they, they parted the ways for you. They was like, no, nah, man, let my man through. He good. Yeah, they, they did say that, too. I, when I was e- easing out, they're like, hey, let I got through. I was like, thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, y'all be safe tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I had no problems there out there. Oh, man. But, yeah, other than that, man. You know, things is, I can't, you know, can't complain, man. Everything's smooth. No, that's good, man. And, and you know what? On the,
0: on the bright side of things, Jules, she you made a little extra coin last night. I know you're a little tired, but,
1: you know. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I, you know, it always, it's always plus. I made that put a little extra hour on, uh, extra time on it to get a little extra out of them. There you go. So, no, man. Uh-oh, like you said, about it's, you? For me, I mean, traveling for work again, you know, every week I'm gone
0: somewhere different. But I'm okay, man. I mean, at the end of the day, bro, You do what you got to do, right? You know, one day, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. be able to sit back in retirement and enjoy. But right now, man, it's grind season. And so that's what I'm on. Oh, yeah. I hear you, man. You work hard and play hard later. That's it, man. I got shit. I'll tell you, nine more years of this, bro, and I'm out. Nine more.
1: Man, that's the goal there.
0: Yes, sir. Because I I feel like, man, if I don't execute in this last decade, then, man, I ain't do something right. So I'm going to keep taking risks, Jules. Taking smart risks, but risks nevertheless. Keep grinding, keep Mm -hmm. working hard. But as long as you got a game plan and and
1: a a goal in mind, there's nothing in this life you can't do. So at least that's the way I live life. (laughs) Hey, man, I I hope people, when they listen to this, they keep that in mind, what you just said, because that right there is the key. You You can do anything and put your mind into it. Just get a plan going. That's right. That's right.
0: We'll get into that on a on, a, on another episode. Where we'll kind of go through and and talk through some of you know the plans you know that that we've made in life to buy a home. Some of the plans that we've made to make better decisions with, with our personal finance, and then obviously now I'm talking through my goals of wanting to retire in the next nine years. So mm-hmm. I think that'd be a powerful episode to kind of talk through some of what I've done to get to this point, and some of the things that I'm gonna have to do to even make sure that I can you know actually make good with that plan. So. We'll definitely get into that audience. Don't you worry. (laughs) All right, Jules, let's get into this fair file and let's get into these mailbag questions. So, the fair file audience, if you remember from the last episode, we talked about 9-11. Jules and I both gave our viewpoints on what that day was for us. And I talked to you guys about a manager that I had back then that basically called me up the next day, September 12th, and was like, hey, Prince. We didn't uh, notice that you reported to work yesterday. Uh, Any explanation of why? And so, as you guys remember, I said to him, well, there was a national uh, (laughs) crisis that was going Mm -hmm. on. I didn't feel comfortable. So do what you wish with me. Right? So he didn't write me up, but he gave me a really hard time. So Jules and audience, fair or foul on this manager, questioning why I didn't report to work at the Chicago Board of Trade, which is a very large building in Chicago. When our
1: twin towers were attacked. Man, President, I call it big foul. Put my flag, I'm gonna throw that thing. <laughs> Listen, what are you supposed to do? You coming off the you coming off the train and everybody going the opposite direction from downtown? Yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? That was one of them things, okay, going on in America, something like that haven't happened since. I mean, you got Pearl Harbor you got little things. I know the tracing was was set on fire, got bombed back in the 80s, if I can recall. But nothing like this since uh, Pearl Harbor, where you get planes going into buildings. Dude, come on. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Oh, okay, I'm here ready for work. Man, ain't nobody working, especially no. downtown. Nope. No, because like you said— when you was watching
0: it with your old man, y'all was just watching it on TV. That would have been the same thing we'd have been doing if I'd have reported to that office. Well, I'm gonna be sitting in the office with y'all in this high-risk building watching something on TV that I can do right. that at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. It was a safe, it's a safety, it's a safety hazard, it's a safe risk. Yeah. So, dude, that's a big foul. And a you big know, foul.
0: and I hate to say this because I don't want people to think that, like, man, I have like this attitude or fuck a job or anything like that, but in that situation. That was my exact thinking. I was like, "Fuck this damn
1: job! I'll get another one." <laughs> Shit, right? And he should, and he should have realized and know, like, okay, man, Pres is my guy, my go-to guy. I know how this works That if he didn't come to work, it's because it a something that, and which did, mm-hmm. it did. Now I will say this,
0: and this is gonna be our next fair file. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't report to work for another week after
1: nine eleven all day. Oh we. <laughs> that's that's gonna be a good one. Damn, yep. another week? Yep. Another week. Ooh, so we Jules, I'm gonna let you
0: and the audience ponder on that <laughs> one. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. First mailbag question comes over from Corey from Hazel Crest, Illinois.
1: He wanted to know, Jules, is it too soon to panic about the Chicago Bears offense? Corey, that's an excellent question because I watched that game Sunday and I was pissed. <laughs> but I'm not panicking. It's just the first game. I'm glad that everybody in our division lost. So it's like, hey, we got a clean start. So let's just say the next game in Cincinnati, this is this is our game one here. I think sometimes I'll just relate it to me getting into um, sparring and I'm cold. Sometimes you got to take a round just to warm up. Or sometimes you have to take a hit just to wake up. So that's how I relate this to. This I think the Bears came out flat. And I think the next game, we're going to actually see the offense and defense yeah. um, come <laughs> come out and play.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jules, that's a great point. That, that uh, sparring analogy is perfect because we did get hit in the mouth, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things where I hope after that game, when those guys are sitting in that locker room, just like how that fighter's in the locker room after he lost, and you look at your wounds a little bit, but you learn from that. And I hope that they learn from that because all the way around, offensively, defensively, Corey, we did not look good. Now, the one thing I will say, I agree 100% with Jules. I think it's too early to to panic after one game. But if you're looking at this as a whole collective of the Matt Nagy era here in Chicago, it may be time for you to have some concern. And the reason Mm -hmm. why I say that is because where's this offense? Every year we've been hearing excuses from him about, oh, you know, I don't have the quarterback or... That was the one-on-one version. We got to be able to run our two-on-two version. It's always like some some word speak. Like this guy, he always has like the word. He has these word salads, as I like to call them. He says a whole bunch of shit without saying anything at all. So now we're, <laughs> so now we're in year four of this. And so for me, if anything I'm concerned about is the fact that after four years, of offense still looks like it did on Sunday. Only score 14 points. You can't win
1: football games in the modern NFL only scoring 14 points, bro. Oh, no, no. These teams are high-flying and really racking points up. Yeah. <laughs> 14, they ain't going to cut it. No. And also, Corey, my
0: last point on this, they better run some routes past 10 yards in this game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I promise you, because I'm going to be a Soldier Field in the stands, and I swear to God, I've been resting my voice this week. I will let Matt Nagy know what I think <laughs> about him. If he do that same bullshit he did
1: Sunday night, uh, he going to hear it from me. Hey, press. Can I ask you? What, can I ask you something? What did you think of Dalton's performance? You know what? I thought he was solid. Okay.
0: Oso- outside of that pick that he threw in the, in the red zone, which I don't know who the hell he was throwing to. I even watched that. They do a tape breakdown after the game. I did a tape breakdown, and I still don't know who the hell he was throwing that ball to. But anyway, I thought that Dalton. I thought he was so-so, man. I mean, you got to think about it. They were at least moving the football, right? They ran time of possession. They just didn't score any touchdowns or enough touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, right. Dalton was getting rid of the ball real quick, Jules. So, I like that aspect of things. And he even scrambled a couple of times, which surprised me. I'm like, oh, shit. he been yeah. around just the fields. I'm like, shit. I'm, I'm like, who was this?
1: oh <laughs> he did what? It was like almost a 15-yard scramble he did. Yeah. Yeah. And that helped. It did help in that time. So,
0: I would say this. I know a lot of fans are, are calling for Justin Fields, which I mean, it's probably going to be a matter of it's going to be a matter of just when, not if, right? But I don't think that Dalton did anything to lose his job, obviously for this week or even maybe the next week. But we'll see how it like progresses, Jules. But I thought he was decent. But we'll see what happens on Sunday, man. But I'm I'm hoping that we get a bounce back victory and that defense, man, Corey, they can't play like that again. Listen, I was livid, bro. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to be on some quitting and giving up type shit. On that one play, when they gave up that big bomb play and nobody tagged down the receiver, the receiver promptly gets his ass up off the turf
1: and runs it to the end zone. And we got two people there. Dog, me, my pops, we in that room like, what in the? This is like football 101. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The secondary got exposed. The corners were just, you know what? I know we got other questions. To get to, And I mean, we'll talk later about this, man. Cause that whole game, man, I was just like, man. Only best thing about that game is me bringing that pizza. over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was happy for Justin. He ran his wrestling touchdown. But I mean, the Bears was flat on that one, man. We, and we bounced back next week. Yeah, we better we better bounce back on Sunday. <laughs> we better, cause if not,
0: I'm gonna have some heat on this episode next Uh-oh. week. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Matt Nagy, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm on his bumper, baby. I'm on his bumper.
1: Get that clipboard.
0: <laughs> man, get that Jenny's menu out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> All right. The next question comes over from Jake from Austin, Texas. Now, audience, I really thought this was a dope-ass question because Jake – blended this question into our episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about classism within the black community. And so what Jake was saying was, hey, that was a really dope episode. You guys did a lot of really, really cool things to get people thinking and getting people to open up. But he said, one thing that you guys could have done was talk about what is something that you've read that's been beneficial for your current personal and professional development. And so I said, damn, that's a good fucking point, so then it made me like dig a little deeper and I said, you know what I'm gonna give people three separate books that have been mm. beneficial for me in the past currently and one that I'm reading right now but Jules I'm gonna let you go first, and then uh audience I'm gonna make sure that I map out to you guys exactly what it is that's been helpful for me in my
1: personal and professional development okay, Briz, I'm glad you get three uh, books to give people because I have Zero. There's no books for me that I right now that help shape their my personal my uh, professional career. It's just life in general, just being exposed to different things and what shape my my thinking and where I'm at today. I believe I said on this podcast that when my wife and I went to go buy a house, we was looking and we was in Mount Greenwood and how that police officer has stopped and waited until we left. I mean, those, 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 those experience and circumstances there, you looking like, wow, I should be able to go anywhere buy a house. But those things there, well, Hey, you know, okay, here's where we at. So for me, it's just, just, just life in general, just life in general, just pretty much just living everyday life.
0: Hey, no, that's fair. That's fair. For me, I'm going to give you guys three, as I mentioned, the first one, It's The Laws of Human Nature. This is by Robert Greene. And so I'm going to keep it very short and brief on the descriptions, but I'll just give you guys a couple nuggets on why I thought the book was applicable for me in my life. So for me, I like to just pride myself on being able to understand other people. And so the reason why I thought this book was really cool is because it talks about just basically you as an individual, first and foremost, understanding what makes others tick. and so. I always talk about on these these episodes, how is it that we could ever come together when everybody's too busy acting like they know everything, that they're, you know, bigger than the next person when we all really are the same at the end of the day. And so books like this, I think, are huge. And I think more people need to pick up books and actually read these things because there's a lot of nuggets that can balance some of the areas in your life that you're trying to get to. So just something as basic as just being able to understand human nature and understanding others is huge. I mean, because a lot of us, we only, a lot of times only concern ourselves with our lives, what we're trying to do for ourselves. But then if you're ever trying to get something done, think about in your personal lives, in your professional lives, you have to work with other people. If you don't know how to communicate with other people, if you don't understand body language, if you don't understand other things of how people may be able to react or how you may be able to get people to do things that you need them to do to make things happen, right? Books like this really are able to kind of help you kind of cut down the layers of of bullshit with some people and understand exactly what makes other people tick. So that's the first one. The second one is Outliers. We had um, Malcolm uh, that was on the show in season two. Mm -hmm. Really great conversation. And he brought up this book. And this is an oldie but a goodie. So this is a book that I've read a couple times over the years. And so this one really is huge because a lot of people, when they think about success, they narrow it down just to the fact that people that work hard and that they're intelligent. But that's not all it takes to be successful in this world. There's tons of people that work hard. There's tons of people that are bright and intelligent. But they're not all successful. They're not all making things happen out here. So this book, Outliers, really kind of breaks that down. And it just talks about just making sure that people really get their surroundings and also understanding those people that are flourishing this world, how hard work may not be the only key to success for some of those people in their lives. So it just really breaks down success. It just makes you aware of any of your shortcomings. And I think that that's also something for personal development that's huge, even for me, right? So When I think about my personal life, my career, there's something in your life that you're not executing on 100%. And I'm very, very focused. Jules can tell you this about me. If I touch something, if I'm doing something, I'm trying to be the best at it. And even if I'm not, you better believe I'm going to be breaking myself down and making sure that, hey, if I have any sort of perceived weakness, that I'm doing everything to strengthen that weakness up. So books like this kind of really help you with that. And then the last one, Start with why. So you guys remember that we had an episode with Julius Dorsey on this show. It was about understanding your why. So a lot of people will say that. And to me, most people, when they say that to me, it kind of comes off as just like talk. Because most people to say that they know their why, they don't. And it's okay that you don't know your why. But when I read books like this, it's just, it puts in your face that on a daily basis You should understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. Because there's a lot of people in this world that are kind of going through the motions, right? They get up, they're punching the clock, they're going home. That's a hamster wheel type of life. You have to understand why it is. What is it that's getting you out of bed besides the fact that you're going to punch in the clock for some company? What is it behind that that's important for you? So for me, I just never want to lose sight of why I'm doing anything that I'm doing. So why, to me, is more important than the what, and that's why this book has been another book that's been really important. So the name of the book is Start With Why, and it's by Simon Sinek. But So those are the three books, but I really appreciate that question, Jake, because it even made me kind of sit down and reevaluate just kind of like some of the books that I've read in the past, but then also it made me order this book that I just started reading now, and I'm halfway through it. But I appreciate the question because you're right. You push back on us and that's what we ask our listeners to do. So I respect that. And any of our other listeners, if there's things that, hey, you're hearing and you're like, hey, I like this, but man, it would have been great if you guys could have did this. Listen, we'll take the feedback and and guess what? And we'll show you how we'll apply it to the episode. So thank you so much for that question, Mm Jake. All right. The next one comes over from Nelson from Glenview, Illinois. He wanted to know, Jules, did we watch the Holyfield fight? And what were our thoughts?
1: <laughs> I told you people on this show, I wasn't going to pay for no more fight anyway. I, I watched it afterwards for free. And I'm glad I did not, buy it, did not buy it because that thing there was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. I don't fault the referee to uh, stop that fight only because Holyfield couldn't do that. No way. Bad. He no couldn't way. do anything. No way. He threw, saw, punch,
0: he, he threw a punch and almost knocked
1: himself out. Right. He th- Right. So he should have never been there. I read that the people who were, who are sponsoring the fight is actually reformatting how they do things. Because after that performance, they're looking at no matter what, how good of a shape the person look, you got to go out there and at least handle yourself and be able to, be able to box. We also saw He couldn't, he couldn't box. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't fight no more. And which is, and which is okay. Mm-hmm. He's 15 years old. He's a champion. It was terrible. It was terrible. Now, I would say I did
0: tell people on this on this podcast a couple weeks ago that I would not buy this fight. Well, I got talked into it, but I had four people to split the cost of the fight with me. However, to Jules's point, that shit still wasn't even worth my cut of what I paid for that fight. So even though I only ended up paying 15 bucks, it wasn't even worth the 15 bucks. That was some sad Mm -hmm. shit. It was sad. That fight should have never been sanctioned. So I'm glad to hear Jules mm-hmm. that they are reevaluating their process for how they do yep. on these fights. You got to save people from themselves because Evander Holyfield, like you said, is a champion. He's got the heart of a champion, but sometimes you got to take that decision out of people's hands. And he should not have had his ass in that ring.
1: No, Mm-mm. no, hell, even that um uh, Anderson Silva and um and Tito Ortiz fight was it was a little better, but it was like. Wow, what is going they I'm still shouldn't neither one of them should have had their ass in the yeah, ring either? Yeah. yeah. Either they gotta get younger, better fighters in there, or not have this thing at all because this is terrible. Now, now they talking about uh the person who fought Holyfield. You talking about they they them people won't give 30 million for him and Paul to fight. <laughs> man, I'm I'm like, man, now nah, I'm tired. I've been tired of this, but now I'm just really like, man, come on, man. This thing is terrible, man. Boxing, let's see some fights, man. Some real fights, some yeah. actual fights. Because let's see, some, let's see some real fights, right. Because anybody that was watching those training videos of,
0: of Holyfield leading up to this fight, you shouldn't have been surprised by what you saw in that, in that fight. His training videos had me worried. I was really sitting here like, are they really going to let him fight? He's 58 years old. Many decades past his prime. He should not be fighting any sort of a fight where it goes on his record. That should never happen. If he was going to do some glorified exhibition like Tyson and Roy Jones did, fine. But what we saw in that ring, that should not have happened. It's sad. And stuff like that messes up your legacy. Because Evander Holyfield has a great legacy as a boxer. He's a champion. He competed at the highest of levels. But this is how people are going to remember him on the way out. It's sad.
1: I'm glad the referee did his job. I don't see any of those fight fights
0: I had people hitting me up. They were like, "Man, that referee was premature. He should have let him go on." I was like, "No, he Mm -mm. shouldn't. No, he shouldn't." When when Evander Holyfield threw that punch and 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 threw himself where he threw him,
1: that was when I would have stopped that damn fight. (laughs) Right, prez. Hey man, I kind of chuckle a little bit because I'm picturing in my head when he threw that punch and he fell on his own in the ropes. And it's like, (laughs) and I try not to laugh, but yeah, and then. He came and came up, and um, me and up giving a, a body shot or uppercut, one and dropped him. I'm like, nah. And then he was giving him combinations, and Holyfield just had his his ear up and just he couldn't do nothing. He was just nah, Mm-mm. nope. I'm with you. We need to fix this situation with boxing.
0: But we do have a real boxing fight coming up. We got Fury and Wilder oh, three. Man. Wilder, it's, yeah, yep. So. That should get people back to realizing what real boxing is. I think Fury's going to win now, we'll talk about that. we closer to that fight, but okay. we, we got a real fight on the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jules. Well, the next mailbag question, speaking of a fight, Cynthia from Oceanside, California, she wanted to know, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on what sexist is doing regarding abortions in their state?
1: Mm. Well, Cynthia asked the question, so a little bit about this. So after they went in there and banning women that can't get an uh, abortion after six weeks of being uh, pregnant, here's the thing. I can never say what, they, what a woman can do but not do it for body. Very so, important to say that. Stay there. Yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I won't do it. <laughs> now, uh, Now the thing is, women's menstrual cycle is only 28 days. Now, it's about four weeks. Now, sometimes... You know, what I read said, sometimes women don't even know they're pregnant until almost that sixth week. That's right. So if there's a decision need to be made, it had to be made quick, which I wouldn't suggest that on anyone because you're dealing with a pregnancy with a baby. So that's a decision that needs to be made very seriously. It just don't give the, uh, the, the mother time. I think it's selfish. I mean... I think a normal abortion you can do up to three months because I remember uh in school studying on it. I just think they should let that alone. me personally pressed. It's already set in place. I know of course, medically reason there's reasons where you can do it after the six weeks of of medical reasons, of course, but if somebody with uh, incest or rape, heaven forbid, you know, you, you can't, in which that's a decision where, hey, They shouldn't be played with this. Just leave it up to the mother. That's their decision. That's her body. And that's her her decision. I think, Cynthia, what Jules
0: said in in the first part of his statement, the fact that of the matter is you don't tell a woman what they can do with their body. That's their body. That's their decision. That's how it always has been. That's how it always should be. Now, when I saw that this law was put into place, when I looked at it, I said, okay, so they're going to allow private citizens to sue abortion providers and anyone who helps a woman obtain an abortion. And I said, well, what the fuck is that about? Mm-hmm. That's that's included anyone that gives a woman a ride to a clinic or provides any sort of financial assistance for that woman to obtain an abortion. So now we got private citizens who are going to be allowed to bring these lawsuits. And they don't need to have any connection to the woman at all that they're suing. What the fuck is going on with that bullshit? Mm-hmm. And then the point that you made, Jules, is First of all, there is a lot of situations that some women don't even know that they're pregnant until well after that six-week period. But then also, the fact that you brought up, there's no exceptions for cases that involve rape or incest. So why isn't that taken into consideration? Now, I'm not even going to try to even make sense of this law in in, in any sort of way. But the general fact of the matter is, you're going to sit here and give punitive damages to someone that's already had the most heinous things done to them. And in this law, to me, is no different than what the accused abuser did to these women in those situations. And I just think that this is just disgusting when I when I read through it and when I see what is happening. And also, don't be surprised if you see this shit pop
1: up in other of these conservative states. Mm-hmm. It's really insane. I mean, where I have laws is, is already a place for this. Why, why go back and try to reinvent this wheel? I mean, it's already just... Leave it up for, for that mother, and, and her, that's her decision.
0: It's none of your damn business, and that's the thing that I always say that's one of the things that's wrong with this damn world is people not minding their own damn business. So mm. you're going to sit up here and take it upon yourself. You're like, oh, I see this person is going in to get an abortion. I'm going to file a yeah, lawsuit that's...
1: against them. Mind your damn business. Yeah, that's that's crazy, Press. I didn't even know about that one. You, you can sue for giving the person a ride to the... If you
0: help in any kind of way, that Boy, person help. can be sued. Wow. And that's just what Texas has done, is they're empowering individuals in that state to enforce this abortion ban. That's really what it comes down to. I even saw, well, they got a whistleblower website where you can make anonymous tips to let them know if someone's
1: basically helping or embedding into someone having an abortion. Like, what oh, is man. this shit? Worry about your own self. you. Like you said, you're going to have abortion cops or something out there waiting on looking for people helping uh, ladies get an abortion. Hey, pull over. I know where you're going. You know, like, come on, man. That's it.
0: That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, it's Texas at the end of the day, you know, it's far for the course. I mean, we saw what they deal with critical race theory. So honestly, anything I see coming out of that state, it don't surprise me. So at the end of the day, Cynthia, with this question, a woman should be able to do whatever the fuck yes. she wants to do with her body, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Fuck Texas. This is some bullshit. There's more important things that this state can be trying to do to help their citizens besides doing this shit. I don't want This is wasting taxpayers' money. Right? It's like, what are we doing as a society that this is the stuff that you're worried about? It's people out here that are fucking homeless. It's people out here that don't even have adequate education and you're not even addressing those issues, but you want to sit here and talk about
1: something that don't even fucking concern you? See, man, that's why this world's so damn twisted. Yeah, you're right. You're right. What, what is this? Right. This should not even be on the list, really. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, mm-hmm. last question. That shit pissed me off. Last question
0: comes over from Rodney from Richmond Park, Illinois. He wanted to know Jules. What are your thoughts on Lori Lightfoot wanting to sue gangs for damages? And yeah. I would just say this, Rodney. This is a hell of a question, brother. Sure, Because <laughs> when this came out, I was like, ooh, I said, Jules, even if we didn't have a question on this, we was definitely gonna talk about it.
1: <laughs> yes. I say sue their asses. Soon, only because I can get sued, or anybody else can get sued. Sue the asses. But <laughs> but the thing is, soon for what? If you just a soldier, you didn't really have anything. You have to be a cop or you know a boss to get something. But even though you can be probably brought up on recall charges, so it's like you get stuff taken away from you anyway. So I think the mayor's trying. I give up points for, for trying to come up with ways to how to curb this violence, but it doesn't do anything because, I mean, half the time these, I deal with these gang members all the time. They really don't have anything, really. what I'm suing for. So I think we need to still come up with more solutions to better with the dealing with uh, gang members. I was talking to a group of guys in the gym the other day, as a matter of fact. And one cat in particular was like, man, you know what? Give you guys some jobs. I, you know, even though someone might not go, but have it in their release, they have to work. Like a work release program. But even better, if they don't work, you got to go back to go back to jail or wherever the case may be. But you got to give them something. They have to do something because the problem is they got too much time on their hands. They're out all, all hours of the night. Causing up uh, records and, and trouble because they don't have to see press. They ain't like you and I. We can't be all out in the streets all out hours at night because we had get up in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean, we got shit you eat. know if they have something, yeah, if they got something to do, I mean, hopefully less likely they'll be out there, you know, causing trouble. But but far as uh, far as being sued, I think it's nice, it's cute, but I think we still need to look and see what's what's a better solution we can do here. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I thought
0: it was a big, giant nothing burger. All this is, man, is some political talk. I'm so sick of the political shit that's going on right now. Fix the issues that are out here. The whole, I'm going to sue these people because they're terrorizing these neighborhoods and they're killing children, they're killing babies, and they're terrorizing these neighborhoods. Yes, we get that and we know that. But we also know you motherfuckers know who these people are. You know who these gang leaders are. If we can send people into other countries and eradicate leaders that are doing mass terrorism, you mean to tell me you can't fucking find who Pookie is who's fucking tearing up these neighborhoods? You can do it. You don't need to be writing these fucking bullshit ordinances that you want to sit here and act like you care, Mayor. You don't give a shit. Because if you did, something would have happened. We talk about all the time on this show how the Cabrina green area was one of the most dangerous, notorious, dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago, if not all of the damn world. You go over that community right now, you got million-dollar condos up as far as the eye can see. If they want to do something, if they're incentivized by doing something, they'll do it. This shit here, what you going to do? These gang members half the time are living in their goddamn mama's house. What you going to take? You going to take right. mama's rent money? You're not going to get nothing because, listen, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. If you want to fix these problems, fix these problems. But shit like this, this is going to be a waste of time. This going to be, be a waste of
1: resources. And you're not going to get anything for it. She just wants to make a headline. Let's be honest, Perez. They can be sued anyway. But I mean, not going to get anything. It should. <laughs> if, if something happened where that person calls something. Yeah, you can you can be sued. Anybody can. I mean, it's something I give her a little credit for trying. But no, we still need to come up with other other solutions. Now, uh, she, if she want to try, she needs to dig into that bag
0: of tricks and come up with something else. <laughs> because this comes on the heels of the episode that we're doing today when we talk about this children of trauma. And that is why when I look at what she's trying to attempt to do, well, do it, Mary, because there's children right now in these inner cities that are being affected by the things that are happening in these communities. These communities are being ripped apart. I mean, you, you're seeing stuff like community violence that's going on. You have these kids that are dealing with sexual abuse. They're being, you know, molested. They're dealing with violence within the school, bullying, discrimination, racism. There's all type of events that these kids are going through right now. And this type of shit, people will say. And I hate when they say this, but people will say, "Oh, you know how kids are. They're resilient." They, they 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 can handle all type of adversity and they're just kids. They'll be fine. That is the most asinine shit that you could ever say, because that is not true. There's so many kids that we just sit here and just think they can go through all this trauma and it's not affecting them. No, it's affecting them. What they're doing is they're just basically repressing that inside of them and they're sitting here. Now they have this repressed trauma that they're dealing with. They've never properly addressed it. And what what you think is going to happen? They're going to grow older. They're going to have all type of symptoms and things of the trauma that they experience as children. And in some cases, it may lead to some very dangerous outcomes for them later in life. So we should never sit here and just say, oh, because a child's gone through something, they'll be fine. They'll be able to bounce back from it. Kids are resilient. That that shit right there to me, Jules, when I hear that, it's it's such a problematic statement. And that's why I got so fired up about the mayor and her wanting to sue the gang members. If you want to really make sure that this stuff is being changed for the better, then go work in the communities. Actually, go take your ass there, Mayor. Understand who these people are in these communities that are fucking causing these problems. Then you work with your law enforcement in those areas, and you guys do something about it. But sitting here telling me that, oh, I'm going to sue these people because we're going to get some money from them. That is not a solution. And meanwhile, who loses out? All of us lose out. The children, especially are the ones that lose out. We always talk about how the children are so important. Everybody will say the children are our future. But why is it that those Uh are the only group of people that people somehow forget about when all this violence and all this drama and trauma is going on? I never understood that, Jules.
1: It's crazy how the children is what got the civil rights movement in in process, in motion. It was children, because remember, Dr. King was in his 20s. He was young, is what I'm referring to. So so we can't forget about we got to start them when they're young. I remember my mom, she always say, hey, you got to get the children to for discipline. You got to teach them from three to nine, three to nine years old. So the children, that's that is why it's so, it's so important that we talk about the child trauma, because those are just experience or repeatable experience that leave child with this with like overwhelming sense of either fear or loss, you know, making them feel like they have no safety or they can't control their own lives their social or their intellectual, their their development is off. If it's left on the dress uh, press, like you said, it's a long-term effect with the length of their lives because it can be cut short. No, and that's a
0: fair point. Now, I will say this. Just because a child has gone through some sort of childhood trauma, that does isn't necessarily that they're all going to be emotionally scarred for life if they've gone through some sort of a horrible Mm -hmm. experience. But I think when I see the things that are going on in our inner cities... I think that it's important to recognize for parents or even people, family members, if you notice that a child may need some sort of professional help, then do that for that child. They always say, when you can get to these things early on, it'll prevent those long-term effects that you were kind of going down that path, Jules. Now, one of the things that people don't really talk about when they think about childhood trauma, we'll talk about the violence, we'll talk about the abuse things, but no one Mm -hmm. talks about the effects that... Children have being in broken homes when a mother or father decides to divorce. No one talks about right. that, but I think that's also traumatic for a kid. Now people will sit here and they think that it's not that big of a deal that you and the mother didn't you know work out and the kid has to pack up and they have to go spend half the week with you then they're going to spend the other half of the week with the with the mother. You don't think that that's leaving some sort of void with that kid that kid wants both of their parents. That kid doesn't want just yes. one parent here on this side and then one parent over here. That's also something that people don't talk about. And that is a huge void right
1: now. Man, president I'm glad you said that because it's been plenty of times I have to go on calls where there is a domestic disturbance on whether who gets who get the child for this day or this weekend. And the child's sitting right there and the mother and father can't get along. The father is calling the mom out of, out of her name or the mother is calling the father out of his name. And they're doing it in front of this baby. That's not normal. That's not normal for, for a kid at that age to see your, your, your parents going at it. They're supposed to love each other going at it this way and say, hey, here's a court order saying, here's my days, a written contract. Say, hey, no, I'm supposed to get them every other weekend. That goes something with this child. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's all it, it all matters, right? You, you mm-hmm. think about that, what you just mentioned. Let's talk about poverty. We talk about generational poverty, poverty all the time on this show. That's a part of trauma. Kids that grow up in the inner city where they don't have those resources. See, people, they don't realize when we do these episodes that all this shit connects back. When you have kids that are having access to inadequate education, the resources in their community aren't there. That's a part of trauma, bro. Homelessness, violence within families. Mm -hmm. Dude, all of this stuff matters. Even if you lose a loved one, there's kids out here and, and and I know this for a fact because there's kids that I work with in these programs where they may lose a grandmother or they may lose an uncle. And those grandmother or the uncle was like the only kind of like family that they had. And now they're just out here wilding out because there's no one else in the family that's willing to take on that responsibility. That's also traumatic. There's kids that are losing relatives at a young age. And these are probably the only people that actually care about them. Cyberbullying, Right. Bullying. No one talks right. about that stuff. That shit matters. And that shit has gotten worse than just the regular bullying that happened when you and I were in school, Jules. There's kids right now that are suffering in silence because there's no one that probably even knows that people are online picking on them. And they're not telling the people in their family about that. And we've seen so many situations where these kids are committing suicide because internally they're like just basically crushed and falling apart. And they're not opening up and they're not communicating what they're feeling to other people.
1: No, you're right, Prez. Like I said, when we coming up, it was just regular uh, kids in classrooms just getting picked on or talked about. Cyberbullying? That's a whole nother issue. If you have a dysfunctional home, you're a kid coming up, have a dysfunctional home, or a single family, or your grandmother's raising you, or, you know, hell, sometimes you you raising yourself as a kid, because it happens. And you're on this computer. This is all you have. You're on a computer 24-7. And you get, who knows, coming from someplace else, bullying, talking about how you live, you smell, you look, or you, you talk, or whatever the case may be, you're stupid. That's how suicides happen. Or that's how you go up and you hurt somebody else. It all goes hand
0: in hand. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important to, to when you think about cyberbullying. So yeah, to a degree, it does work like that. But what about the situations where nowadays in, in our time, you just have people online that they're just online to troll. They may not even know who you are at, from the man of the moon. But you may post something, they disagree with you, so instead of them just being able to have an intelligent conversation with you about why they disagree with you, they're just going to get personal, and they're going to say some fucked up shit to you. Now, right, when, yeah, I talk about, too, yeah. Yeah, when I talk about this trauma that not only children are experiencing, but it's as they grow up and they become preteens or teenagers, There's, that's a whole nother level of pressure that these kids are growing up in that you and I didn't have. Now, let's just amplify that by the fact that if this kid had any sort of trauma as they were coming up in any of the various ways that we discussed earlier, you don't know how that's going to affect somebody later in life. Now they got somebody fucking with them. You don't know what that does to somebody, especially if the trauma that this child had when they were growing up was unaddressed because, A, they either didn't speak up or either, B, they had parents and people around them that weren't observant enough to realize that, hey, maybe something's going on with this child. That's one of the things there that really, I think we need to do a better job with because in the program where we're working with the kids, we see some of the symptoms of these kids when they're coming into the program and you know, hey, something that happened with this kid. And that's when Mm -hmm. you kind of have more of those one-off conversations with them to just kind of dig a little deeper. So I would say some of the things that I've seen with kids is they sometimes have like little flashbacks to some of the things that. That, that they experienced at one point in their life, but it comes back in weird times for them, right? You also see the outburst, being disrespectful, being overly aggressive. Now, there's some people when they see that behavior, they just write the kid off. I'm not dealing with that shit. You're disrespectful. But you have to understand what causes some of those behaviors, right? You Sometimes you'll see some of these kids in these programs, they're super quiet. They're isolated from the other kids. Those are all signs that that person may be depressed. That person's just showing you that they don't really know how to open up or even be around anybody. There's kids that will be in a program. You try to find out, what are you interested in? What do you like to do? They don't have any sort of interest or hobbies. That is a major red flag. So if that's your child and you see your child and they're not really interested in anything, they don't really want to do anything, that's not normal. Kids need to be exposed to external stimuli. So if you have that type of things that are going on, those are major problems. Now, let's just say this. There's an even younger subgroup of kids, Jules, that we hear from some of the other caregivers for the programs. And they'll say the kids that are like still in middle school or like the grade school age kids. These Mm -hmm. kids are struggling with their work, their schoolwork and homework. They are moody. They get disruptive very easily. Again. These are signs that that person is not having a good go of it. That's some of the stuff that you got to pay attention to because this trauma gone unaddressed, it causes these other issues. And like I said, with some of the older kids that I'm dealing with, now let's just see what the next step could be. Alcohol, drugs, gangs, all kinds of other things that are negative things that this person doesn't need to be involved with. But if they don't find any sort of peace with anything else, then they're going to easily succumb to negative bullshit
1: because for them, they don't care. They don't even care about themselves. Wow, because, you know, those effects, man, that's, hey, you said something right there. Well, you know, the effects can, it it can be the short or long term, but the individual, sometimes may not even recognize the connection between the traumatic event or, 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 or the effects that they have. So, which mean, indirectly, they're doing things and they don't even know what they're doing. That, and that's another thing too, and that's very, very true, true because we see that all the time. Yeah, it, it's been plenty of times. you I have to, you know, that's one thing. A little about my job, I, I get to meet different people and talk to different, different people and kids and adults, and sometimes like they do things and, and don't know, don't realize what they're doing, so somebody explained it to them because they figure, well, this is how this is how they handle it. This is how, this is what they taught. This is what they thought that it was right, and and it's and it's not, and and you can't really body slam them too hard because they just didn't know. But now you have somebody now they have some guidance or some wisdom, somebody to tell them things or uh, him or her they can see, they can see outside the the uh outside the scope like okay, no, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, you was right. I I didn't see it that way or you know, you put me on something new. Because when you deal with a traumatic uh, uh traumatic stress disorder, it messes with you, it messes with the way you think, you're moody. Like you said, prayer, you can't sleep. You can't can't concentrate. So how are you supposed to learn Well, and that's one of the biggest impacts
0: that you see with trauma, because those are some of the things Mm -hmm. that we're able to uncover in the program. You Mm. start to see kids that their grades are not good. Well, it may not even be the fact that the kid is, you know, not able to pick up the material. They just probably... Because of the trauma and the things that they have going on, it's just stunning their development there. So a lot of times we see with some of these kids, they have good test scores, but however, their grades tend to be really low. They get a lot of suspensions because that's that whole acting up thing that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really, really hope that we can really start to have more discussions about this children of trauma is the long term health damage that this does. Now, we talk about all the time how in this African-American community that we struggle with high blood pressure, hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, right? all of these health afflictions. But I want you guys to all realize that these afflictions, they all are traced back to trauma. A lot of times, these illnesses are genetic. A lot of times, though, your way of life can further lead you down that path. Because if you're having these traumatic experiences in life and you don't have that support system around you that's helping you to get out of it, that's getting a a healthy diet and food in your home, see, all of this stuff is generational. And if you don't have the opportunities and the resources, your child of trauma is going to grow up to be someone in this world that, is going to be somebody else's problem. And I don't want to Mm -hmm. make that into a negative because on this show, Jules and I both talk about the things that we're doing to try to help our communities be better. But at the same time, parents, you're bringing these kids into this world. You should be the first line of defense to ensure that this child is going to be productive. Don't put your child in harm's way. But if for some reason something does happen, because we know things happen, Pay attention to your child's behaviors and mannerisms. Make sure that you're getting that child resources and help. Be there for that child. Let that child be
1: able to open up to you. But do that early. Because if you wait, the damage can be done. Yeah, President, that way it goes back to what what we talked about as far as in the Black community. With trauma, you talk about health. Well, what's around here in the community where it's healthy to eat? I mean, now, I mean, you have... Uh, your Whole Foods, you have, you know, popping up in the community here and there. I know there's one on, oh, uh, in the Inglewood neighborhood, and you know, as far as, as far as that, but a lot of times, what, what kids are eating, kids eating junk snack, something something that good for them. Them flaming hot, those are those are big prayers, but they're mm-hmm. no good for you. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you have a history, a family history, uh, as you as you brought up. A great, great, great thing you have brought up, if you have family history, uh, let's say diabetes. Now, my family, we have family history of diabetes, my grandmother, my mom. So, of course, me and my brothers are like looking at this like, well, okay, we know that the doctors say that it's a hereditary type thing, but we're not going to help it. So we know, okay, this is what we need, we need to do. You know, watch the sugar, exercise, you know, stay stay healthy. But if you don't have that knowledge and that that support system, like you said, oh. You're just gonna follow in that in that cycle. Got a lot of uh, stores that just sell snacks, <laughs> the ramen noodles, which is high in sodium. So if you don't have the knowledge or or people showing you what's up, then hey, you it's gonna be problems. You gonna have you gonna have the health health issues. Yeah, and I do think that that's a big part of things too. And I think what
0: when it all just comes down to me. I, I think about my childhood, and I had trauma growing up. You know, I, I talk about that all the time. Growing up in inner city, that's traumatic in itself. You know, the things that you that you saw at a, at a young age, those there's things that I saw that I'll never be able to unsee. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a really good friend that was killed in front of me when I was a kid. That's something that I'll never be able to unsee. You know, there's so many other different parts of trauma that I experienced that I never got any sort of help for. Because the way that I was brought up was, if you went through some sort of adversity, You know, you dust yourself off and you keep it moving. Well, that's that old school mentality, but that's why so many people are torn up right now as adults because they went through shit that they never got any sort of help for. They never had any conversations with anybody to get things worked into or looked into. And now these people are raising kids of themselves. And now you're helping lead the demise of other people when you haven't even gotten your own shit in track. And so that's why I wanted to do this episode because. If we're going to sit here and say how important the children are to us, then we need to understand. Hey, if we're having these children, it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that we're leading those kids down the most productive path in life. And if for some reason something does happen, it is your responsibility to make sure that that kid is good because that child is dependent on you as parents for their emotional and physical development and their health. Right. Right. That's it. And so, yeah, you're, you're yeah, that right. first line of fence because. Where does the child learn love and everything from? they learn that shit from their household. They learn how to trust people from their household, managing their emotions. So those are the things that if you're doing that job in the household, then that kid, when it goes out into the world, you don't have to worry about how they're out there moving Mm -hmm. around and doing things.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I love when my mom was like, I remember we had a discussion and she was like, I'm your first and always will be your first teacher. And that just hit him's like, whoa, like, man, how many mothers are like that? Or fathers, you know, parents, you having these kids, you bring these kids in the world. you got it. Nobody else is going to train. Nobody else is going to teach or train your kid. Now, you may have some good people along the way to look out like prayers, what you're doing, what I'm doing in at my, at my job. But ultimately, it's the parents responsibility to train this child and, and, and teach him or him or her. Yeah.
0: Well, I will say this too, Jules, to piggyback off of what you just said there. I think that family support that you and I both had growing up, that's probably why we're in the situation that we're in in life, right? Now, I did talk about the fact that I did go through some trauma, but I did grow for the most part in a, in a loving home. You know, my mother and grandmother, they did what they could. At the same time, we also got to realize the kids are going to go out and they're going to forge their own path in the world. So I'm also understanding that kids are going to do what they're going to do. So sometimes parents can only do so much. But what I will say, though, for parents, when you know that your child has experienced any sort of trauma, there's things that you could do to help reduce that trauma. So one of the things that I always encourage the kids in the program is to talk about their feelings and to make sure that they're not suppressing things, because that was something that I did a shit ton of when I was in high school. I didn't really open up to people like that. Unless I and if I did open up to somebody, it was about bullshit. It was about like nothing like that mattered to me in the grand schemes of thing in life. So I always tell these kids, "Open up. There's always someone that's willing to listen to you." Mm-hmm. But also, I think that parents or caregivers of these children that have gone through these traumatic experiences, the thing that you could do that really help these children out is ensure that they have some sort of a daily routine and stick to that. Children, if anything, are creatures of habit. If you allow your child to not have any sort of stability, to not have them on any sort of a a structured schedule, then if a kid has had any sort of traumatic experience not having any structure, that's going to further throw them down the rabbit hole. And I think that's something that a lot of parents need to be looking at. Also, too, just being open and honest with your kids. That was one of the things that I really respected about the way that I did grow up, is that my grandmother didn't sugarcoat a damn thing with us. She she let us know what time it was. And guess what? She was brutally honest. If you didn't want to hear the truth, don't ask her no questions. But that's also the same way that I am. Truth hurts, right? But at the same time, sometimes we need to have a little bit more of that in this world.
1: Yeah, I think also what can help is to recognize the triggers. I mean, it could be uh, something that he or she uh, saw or, or a place or a situation that kind of bring back that, that trauma you know mm-hmm. some something, something happened where okay what was the cause of it and we need to find out what tr- what triggers it and that way if you know the trigger then you'll be able to protect that kid from experience and eventually you can kind of learn to to live with it also make the make the list make the list of the triggers and you can identify it you know be sure to you get sometimes you gotta kinda, like say practice it you gotta have a care do it exercise can be it can be unsettled, but once you once you know what triggers, you can you can develop a pattern to better manage, and 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 you can better manage your response to it too. And and praise what you said was big as far as sharing If you if you have a good friend or a family member, you can you can share it with somebody that you trust, and and also you can have support in that way too.
0: Yeah, because that's really important. I think at the end of the day, having that support system and just knowing that. Just because you were a part of any sort of a traumatic experience, that there's people that love you, there's people that care about you, and that you're not some person that's worthless. I think a lot of times that's the message that I get from the kids is they just feel like no one cares about them. They just feel like they're on an island. They feel like that the world judges them. You know, they if they get pulled over or they have an interaction with law enforcement, they just feel like, hey, the person's going to run there. They're, you know, run their information. They see a bunch of stuff pop up. They're just going to say, oh, this person's a a knucklehead or a troublemaker. But they don't necessarily know the kid and know that the kid has been through so much shit that they're doing these things because they don't have anybody that ever told them otherwise, or they don't have enough Mm -hmm. people that are stepping up and saying, no, you better than this. And so I think a lot of times we just have to make sure that when we see someone, don't just look at the person for their behavior but try to understand who the person is i think that's the biggest thing for me and then before we get out of here one thing that i just want to just make sure if there's anybody that's listening to this episode and you're a child of trauma and you're an adult that's still trying to navigate this on your own just know that it's never too late for you to get help because i'm telling you i've gone to therapy that shit helps And sometimes you may try to figure things out on your own and you don't have the tools to be successful to fix a lot of these behaviors and these damages and things like that. And you don't want later in your life for you to be an unhappy person and everything you touch has just been something destructive. And like Jewel said earlier, it may even be things that you're doing that you don't even realize why you're doing them or what you're doing. But it still doesn't change the fact that you're still causing damage to others. So. Seek the help of a trained professional if you need, because there's resources out there. And I just want to make sure that people just understand that in this life, that our children are our most valuable commodity. It's up to us to ensure that these children grow to be productive adults that live a fruitful life. But it starts with what happens in the home, what you're exposing your child to. And what you're doing as a parent to elevate that child, if they have had some sort of a traumatic experience, but just know, it's never too late. There's people out
1: there that care, and you're not alone. Jules, going to hit them with that curtain call, bruh. Perez, this curtain call goes out to the Chicago Child Trauma Center. The CCTC serves Chicago area children from ages one to eighteen that have been exposed to traumatic events, including physical and sexual abuse. Witnessing violence and complex trauma. The center's mission is to provide expert level trauma care to children and their families. The CCTC is the only agency in Chicago that specializes in trauma focused assessment and psychotherapy for the full range of potentially traumatic events experienced by children. CCTC, President I, and Pulling Back the Curtain podcast family would like to thank you and appreciate all your hard work.
0: Hey, Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening.